Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Grace to run your race. Let me pray. Lord, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for the power and the truth of your word. God, speak to us today. We have ears to hear, hearts to receive. Lord, give us fresh revelation of your grace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you agree, say amen. amen. 1130, come on, you gotta help me preach. Say amen. amen. I'm gonna do my best, all right, but you gotta help me. All right, there are several passages in the New Testament that uh, compare the life of faith, which is following Jesus, living in relationship with him, living for the cause of Christ, compares the life of faith with running a race. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, he says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win, I like that. Look at the person next to you and say, run to win. Come on, tell somebody else on the other side, say, run to win. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4, at the very end of his life, when he knew that he was about to graduate to heaven, he said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And then one of my other favorite passages in the Bible, it's one of my dad's favorite passages as well, Hebrews chapter 12, says this, it's, it's starting in verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And then listen to this sentence. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Friends, what was that joy? It was you in me. Incredible savior of the world, the king of all kings, would hang on the cross, not just in unbelievable, unimaginable, I think, physical pain, excruciating pain, but spiritual as well. And as he hung there, I, I think that he saw your face, friends. He endured the cross for your sake and for mine, to die for us so that we could have abundant life to pay the price for our sin, to bring us into relationship with God, to defeat the enemy, to give us freedom, to rise from the dead, to conquer death itself so that we can have eternal life. Somebody say amen. amen. Most people don't like running, especially running long distances, especially running marathons. There's a term for people who like running long distances and marathons. Weird, <laughs> all right? Most of us don't like running, but the life of faith is like a lifelong marathon race. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. In other words, following Jesus is a journey, not a destination. Pastor Tony talked about this last week. He talked, talked about the fact that we become a Christian, we become Jesus followers, not so that we could hear about Jesus, so that, but so that we could become like Jesus. Not just so that we could get information about Jesus, but so that we could get transformation from Jesus. 
Friends, this is called spiritual growth or maturity. It's becoming more like Jesus, that he's changing us, he's transforming us so that we become more loving, more joyful, more peaceful. We have more kindness, more gentleness, more self-control. Come on, more of his grace, more of his power flowing in and through our lives. Christianity is not about behavior modification. It's about heart transformation. You can embrace any kind of false religion or secular philosophy and modify your behavior. You go hug trees and kiss crystals all you want. Maybe it'll make you, I don't know, a little bit more calm or something. It might change your behavior, but it's not going to change your heart. Only Jesus can do that. And like, you know, in like any race, especially long distances, at some point you're going to get tired. You're going to feel like you can't take another step and that you want to quit, give up, throw in the towel. Life is like that, isn't it? There's times when you feel like you can't take another step. There's times where you feel like just getting out of bed takes all the energy and strength that you can muster. So my, since my dad graduated to heaven February 20th, man, I've had days like that. There's been times where I've been walking my dog Winston like my mom walks her dog. And literally, I just stopped. And I, I don't even think I can take another step. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you've lost a loved one recently. Maybe you're under tremendous financial stress or pressure. Maybe you're still recovering from a divorce or you're on the brink of one in your marriage, just ex really extreme marital challenges. And maybe just the stress of trying to raise teenage children. Come on, parents, some, help me preach. Somebody say amen. Aren't you glad that we're on summer vacation now so you don't have to deal with your kids trying to do common core math on Zoom. If you don't believe in the devil, just do that, all right? That'll change your theology real quick. The good news for you today, friends, there is grace to run your race. God gives us, he gives you, he gives me the grace that we need to run our race, to live for him in every situation and every season of life. Look at the person next to you and say, don't quit. There's grace to run your race. Come on, tell somebody. Tell somebody around you, don't quit. There's grace to run your race. There's grace to run your race. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 20? We're gonna sit there for a moment. Matthew chapter 20. By the way, I, I, I wanna encourage you to bring a physical Bible to church with you. I know that we all have it on our phones now, but it's just too easy to get distracted, I think, on our phones. Bring a physical Bible with you. You can follow along on the screen. If you don't own a Bible, come up afterwards. We'd love to give you one. Let me give you some background real quick on that. Jesus, we're gonna read a, a parable that Jesus tells right here. Some people define parables. It's, it's, a, it's a good, maybe oversimplified definition, but a parable is, a, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus often spoke in parables or he often told stories that the culture, especially the culture back then, could relate to in order to illustrate really profound and powerful spiritual truths that he wanted people to think about and, and grasp onto. And oftentimes Jesus, uh, uh, in his parables, not every time, but often he would teach about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. By the way, those two terms are synonymous. They're interchangeable. They mean exactly the same thing. Avery, it's good seeing you. Glad you're here in church. Good to see you. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is God's sovereign rule in the universe. That's a, that's a general definition. Let me give you one that might relate a little bit more to you. It is the life and the love and the power of God, the power of heaven invading earthly circumstances and situations. 
That's why when the disciples said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? He, one of the things that Jesus said in, in, in his prayer is he says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's why when we pray, when somebody's sick, which is not in heaven, there's no sickness in heaven, let the kingdom of God, the life, love, power of Jesus touch them to bring health to their body. Come on, somebody, help me preach. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. He's the king of all kings. The Lord of all lords, he's the king of the kingdom. So anywhere that Jesus is, his kingdom is as well. And guess what, friends? If you're a Jesus follower, if the spirit of Christ that raised him from the dead is living in you, then anywhere you go, the kingdom goes as well. Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you, friends. That means that the life, the love, the power of God should flow in us and flow through us anywhere we go. So our job as Christians, one of our jobs we have a high calling, don't we? We have a high calling, don't we? We have a high calling to advance the kingdom of God, to push out darkness, to break the, the, the bondage of, of the enemy, and to advance the kingdom of God on earth. That's good preaching, amen. All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited. Okay, so we're gonna read this in a minute, but let me tell you three things. I was looking at Marilene because Marilene understands understands that dynamic. So I love I love Marilene. By the way, if you need if you need prayer, see my friend Marilene. Man, man, if I want if I want a miracle breakthrough, I'm going to that lady right there. She knows how to lay hold of heaven to invite the kingdom of God to invade circumstance. Thank you, Marilene, for your prayer and intercession. Seriously, your great blessing. Uh, anyways, I just felt compelled to say that. Emmanuel, you're all right too, buddy. Just lucky to have a good mom. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. Okay, so let me let me tell you three things that are going to help as we read this because I'm going to read a long passage. By the way, the, this is the 11. What time is 11:30, sir? I just preach as long as I want. So, um, I, I read I read a lot of Bible when I preach. Some pastors say you ought not to do that. I do it because I believe in the power of the Word of God. I believe I believe that just reading the Word of God, the Holy Spirit can take that and do things in people's hearts. I use a lot of the Bible, and I'm, I don't apologize for it at all power of God. There's nothing more powerful than his word, way better than, than my stupid things that I'm going to say later on. Um, but listen, keep these three things in mind as we read this passage. The landowner, the landowner represents God. The workers represent you and me. They represent us. The vineyard represents our service to God, our service to to the king. All right, so let's read this. Jesus says this, for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and he saw some people standing around doing nothing. <laughs> so he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. And so they went to work in the vineyard. At noon, listen, at noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out, join the others in my vineyard. And that evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. 
when those hired first came to get their pay, listen, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. I believe this story gives some insight into God's grace, and I'll explain that in a minute, but first I want to define the, the biblical word, the New Testament word for grace. The New Testament word for grace in Greek is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. By the way, it is the same Greek word that we get the word joy from. And listen, when you understand, when you truly understand and you have a revelation of God's grace in your life, there's great joy that comes from that. Some of us come from church backgrounds and from a lot of legalism, and we think that we gotta earn God's love and, and we gotta do this and do that in order to earn God's favor. Friends, you don't understand grace. <laughs> you, can, you can walk in joy and freedom because God already loves you. God's grace fills in the gaps. You don't have to be perfect because Jesus was perfect. And also, by the way, charis is the same root word in the Greek that we get the word charisma, which is translated spiritual gifts or gifts of the spirit. In fact, you could even translate that grace gifts if you wanted to. So what is that? It's when, it's when Brian Howard prays for you when you're sick in your body and all of a sudden the supernatural power of God touches you and heals you. Guess what? You just received some grace. It's when my wife Jenny talks to you and, and God puts something in her heart and she begins to prophesy over your life confirm what God has been speaking in your heart or what you've been wondering around. Guess what, friends? You just received some grace. But grace literally means, this is the definition of it. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Grace means a free gift, undeserved blessing, unmerited favor, unlimited power. When we think of grace, I think we normally think of this first Part. We think of a free gift, we think of salvation, and salvation is the greatest gift. And it is a free gift from God that cost us nothing but cost God everything because it cost his own son, Jesus. And in this parable, God, the owner, is the one, listen, he's the one we just read, who hired and chose the workers. Do you realize that God chose you. <laughs> you didn't even choose him. He chose you. He chose you. God himself, the creator, the almighty, eternal one, all-knowing, all-powerful, omniscient, all of those theological words, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who has no beginning and no end. He chose you. God chose you because he loves you. My wife Jenny's on the front row, and a couple years ago, God put on Jenny's heart to start a, 
a ministry, uh, a women's prison ministry team, and we'd go to Chino State uh, Women's Prison. Brian Howard was part of that, uh, several others. I was part of it because my wife told me I had to be part of it, so I listened. And uh, once a month, we'd go in and we'd have a church service, minister to the ladies. I loved it. I looked forward to it. And there was always warfare going on, going into it. Huh, Brian? We'd talk about that. But God would always show up and just do amazing things. The lives of these women, beautiful ladies. They, you know, they'd made some mistakes. Some of them had, some of them literally were in there for all kinds of stuff, murder and all kinds of things. But every single time, ladies would respond to the Lord, surrender their lives to Jesus. I remember one time, in particular, this woman walked in. She looked tough, man. So these ladies looked rough. And uh, some of them, if I, if I wasn't in a women's prison ministry, I wouldn't know that they were a woman. I'm being honest with you. <laughs> they could, um, but she had some tattoos on her, and she had one tattoo in particular. It was right by her eye. It was two words. It was the F word and then the word love. She had that tattooed on her face. What kind of, what kind of pain, trauma do you need to go through in your life where you're gonna get something like that permanently tattooed on your, on your face? But friends, as we started to just minister, talk about God's love, as we started to talk about his kindness and his grace, his ability to forgive all of our sins, she started to cry. Started crying, and at the end, when we gave the altar call, she raised her hand and gave her heart to the Lord. Isn't that good? <laughs> Understood God's grace. Ephesians chapter one, Paul writes, this, is, this passage is just amazes me. Even before he made the world, even before, this is, this is even before Genesis one, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Somebody ought to say amen. And Paul writes later, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's, it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Greatest gift you could ever receive is salvation, but there is more to God's grace than salvation. Salvation is the starting point, but there's grace to run your race. There's grace in every season, every situation of your life. And I wanna give you, real quickly, some lessons from this parable about in kind of two different categories. Number one, I wanna to talk to you about how to miss God's grace in your life. And then number two, I wanna tell you how we can embrace or receive God's grace in our lives. First of all, how to miss God's grace to run your race. Number one is to compare. Say compare. Compare. It says in verse 10 that those that were hired first, they assumed that they would receive more. Notice that they were fine. They were happy to be hired. They weren't doing nothing with their life anyway. And they were happy until they started to compare themselves with the workers who were hired last. And they said, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. What's going on here? This isn't fair. By the way, comparison kills your joy. 
The quickest way to be unhappy in your life, friends, is just start comparing yourself to others. And some of us are running our race, and rather than looking ahead of us with our eyes fixed and focused on Jesus, we're looking around at everybody else with our head to the side, our head completely turned around. And if you run long enough doing that, you're gonna crash into something and burn, right? How come so-and-so, what about so-and-so? Why are they getting blessed? And why is that happening? And no, keep your eyes fixed and focused on Jesus. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You're not running their race, you're running your own race. Number two is this, if you wanna miss God's grace in your life, number two is complain. It says the workers protested to the owner. Other translations say they murmured, they grumbled. One translation says they were offended. Does that sound like our culture today? People are offended about everything. They were offended and complained. Instead of being thankful that they had received a job, they just complained. If you're a parent or a grandparent, come on, you can relate to exactly what I'm talking about. Little kids, or even parents of teenagers, maybe even young adults. Kids complain all the time, don't they? Some of you are gonna spend a lot of time, energy, and money going on a nice vacation, probably because you didn't go last year because everything was shut down, and you can be in Hawaii, you could be in paradise, and your kids will still find something to complain about. Friends, we do the same with God. Instead of thanking Him, for who he is and all that he's done for us, for the free gift of salvation, that would, that's more than enough. If God never did anything else in our life, salvation is more than enough. But instead of being thankful for that, we complain to him about what we don't have and all of our problems that he hasn't fixed in the time frame that we want. We're just like bratty little kids. By the way, friends, let me just remind all of us, you serve God, he doesn't serve you. You're his servant, he's not your servant. He's not your genie, your wish is not his command. That's not how God works. You were created in him, his, him, his image. He's not created in your image. So stop trying to make God into whatever you want him to be. God is who he is. He is who he is revealed in his word, friends. And he's sovereign and he's in control and he could do what he wants. And you could complain about it if you want, but it's better to be thankful. Paul says in Philippians 2.14, do all things without complaining. Some of us do the opposite. We, all do, we do all things with complaining. <laughs> complaining ignores God's grace in your life. Number three is covet. If you wanna miss God's grace, compare, complain, and covet. It says in the parable, the story, that workers were hired first. They were jealous because those hired last were getting paid uh, the same. They thought they deserved more. That's the nature of coveting, is that you think you deserve more. If only I had more, and then fill in the blank. I'm thinking of tacos right now. If only I had more tacos. <laughs> Ephesians chapter five, verses three and four. Paul writes, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, but fornication, that's not a word we use, but that word, friends, it means any sexual activity outside of a covenant marriage relationship between a man and a woman. Any other sex outside of those parameters is called fornication in the Bible. In fact, the Greek word for fornication is pornea, where you get the word pornography. Paul says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. 
neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Giving of thanks. Social media, and I, I'm not anti-social media, by the way, but let me say a few things. Social media has multiplied these three things exponentially in our lives and our culture. Complaining, coveting, and comparing. We're following entertainers and athletes and influencers, whatever the heck that means. Influencers are just people that are pretending like they know something and taking pictures in front of other people's Lamborghinis. That's, that they don't own that. That's all fake. And we see what they have and what they're doing. Or we're, we're following accounts of these beautiful home renovations or homes in like other parts of the country. And we see some five-bedroom home in South Carolina that you can buy for like $1,000. And then we start complaining and murmuring about our one-bedroom studio apartment. We're not thankful anymore. Or you're following your friends on vacations. You know, they're all on vacation right now and they're sitting at the beach and they're posting pictures on the beach of their feet. I don't want to see any more pictures of your feet, all right? <laughs> or people taking pictures of the, of the food they're eating and all the fancy restaurants and the gelato that they're eating in Laguna. I don't care about that. <laughs> I need to get this off my chest, apparently. Listen, what it's happening, friends, it is making your soul and your heart toxic. It's choking out God's grace in your life. I'm serious. Some of you need to get off of social media or you need to fast from it for like 30 days. I can promise you, you'll be happier. You'll like other people better. You're not gonna hear all the stupid things that they post about everything anymore. All right, you can take that for what it's worth or, or not. It, honestly, it, it's, it's limiting it's limiting our ability, your ability to receive God's grace in your life. How to embrace, let me tell you now, how to embrace God's grace to run your race. How to embrace God's grace to run your race. I don't know why, but I feel a rapper anointing coming on me right now. All right, stop, collaborate, and listen. Ice is back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly, flow like a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I don't know. Turn off the lights, and I'll glow. To the extreme, I rock a mic like a vandal. Light up a stage and watch it jump like a candle. Rev Reeve right there, that's my rap name, Rev Reeve. You think Austin will let me be his hype man, Mike? I want to be a hype man. Thank God for his grace in my life that I'm a pastor. Otherwise, I'd be a rapper. I'd be living the thug life right now. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> At least my wife is laughing. If she's laughing, I'm all right. Okay, how to embrace, how to embrace God's grace to run your race. Number one is this. Number one, receive God's undeserved blessing. Receive God's undeserved blessing. Verse 13, 14, God says, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. Life isn't fair. God never promised that it would be fair, by the way. Life isn't fair because we live in a sinful, broken world. And guess what, friends? Grace isn't fair either. And you ought to be thankful for that. Grace ain't fair either, because you and I, God gives us what we don't deserve, what we could never earn, undeserved blessing in our life. 
Ephesians 1, 3, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, who has blessed us, past tense. He has blessed us. We've already received it. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. It's the grace of God that he calls you and I friend. You know, Jesus said that at one point to the disciples. He says, I don't just call you servant anymore. I also call you friend. It's a great song Israel Houghton wrote, friend of God. I am a friend of God. You're a friend of God. Man, that, no, I'm not gonna sing that, Dave. <laughs> Isn't that phenomenal? You're a friend of God. How, how can that be? How can that be that the almighty creator of everything calls you friend? He cares that much about you. That's God's grace. It's his grace that he gave you his son. It's his grace that he's given us his word. It's his grace that he's given us his spirit. It's his grace that he's given us eternal life. Aren't you thankful for his grace, church? Come on. Number two is receive God's unmerited favor. Receive God's unmerited favor. In verse 15, the owner says, I am kind. Other translations say, I'm good, I'm generous. That's his nature. And so he gives us unmerited favor. When I was in high school, my senior year of high school, I was sitting in my history class in the fall, just doing my work, doing my homework one day, and somebody came and, and put an envelope on my desk, white envelope from California State University, Long Beach. I had never even heard of Cal State Long Beach until I received this envelope. I opened it up, started to read it. There's a letter in there from the president of the university, Robert Maxson, and it was an offer for a full ride academic scholarship, all expenses paid for four years, all of my classes. The dorms were covered. My food meal plan in the dorms was covered a $200 book allowance every single semester, friends. I didn't ask for it. I didn't deserve it. It literally just fell into my lap. Friends, that's God's grace. That's unmerited favor. Unmerited means that you, don't, you can't ask for it, or you could ask for it, but you don't deserve it. It's just given to you by God. Favor is God's goodwill. It's his kindness towards you. It's because he gives that his favor because he loves you. Proverbs 14.9 says that fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. God is kind, he's good, he's generous, and if we would just keep our eyes fixed and focused on Jesus, then, and keep running our race, then his grace, his unmerited favor, will begin to come upon us and overtake us. Grace to receive a scholarship that you didn't even know about. Grace to receive a better job. Grace to receive a promotion. Come on, somebody. Grace to receive a miracle house that you've been praying for. I'm getting angry at everybody moving out of California. No more moving out of state. Grace to, for God to keep your Grace to receive a dream that God would give you that would bless your family, that would bless your kids and your grandkids, future generations. Grace to receive a calling that is so much greater than your life to do great things for his glory, friends. That's unmerited favor, favor. Number three, last point, last thought is this. Receive God's unlimited power. Gary, come on out and start playing. Receive God's unlimited power. Verse 14, the owner says, I wanted to pay. 
the last worker the same as you. I can do what I want to do with my money. In other words, all authority, all power belongs to God. And he's unlimited in his power, unlimited in the grace that he wants to bring in our life. Here's a, another uh, definition that explains this a little bit. It's a little bit wordy, but I'll read it. Grace is a manifestation of God's unlimited power exceeding what we could achieve or hope for by our own effort. It's God's supernatural empowerment for you to achieve his plan, endure challenges, or access everything he is and all that he has for you. In other words, grace is the power of God working in you and through you. God's unlimited power. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine, he, and he, referring to Jesus, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's a word for somebody today. Jesus is speaking that to you. His grace, he's telling you, friend, son, daughter, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Where's, it, where's an area of weakness in your life, friends? I think if we're being honest, I think all of us could identify at least one. Where do you need God's grace in your life? Paul finishes by saying, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Friends, when you're tempted to go back to that old addiction, that old place, that old person, that old relationship, grace will give you the wisdom and ability to resist it. When you think God can't forgive you, that you've messed up too much, that he doesn't want you, grace will lead you into his arms of love and mercy. When you're emotionally, spiritually exhausted and spent, grace will refresh you and strengthen you. When you're grieving and suffering and in pain, grace will comfort you and give you peace. When you're overwhelmed, grace will help you overcome. When you're in bondage, grace will free you. When you're broken or sick, grace will heal you. When your marriage is on the brink of divorce, grace will change your heart and breathe life into your relationship. When you're bound by fear and worry, anxiety and depression, grace will break those chains, set you free, give you joy like you've never experienced before. When you're weak and you feel like giving up, like you can't take another step, grace will empower you and encourage you. When you stumble and fall, when you think you can't get up, grace will lift you up and carry you, friends. Grace to run your race in every season, in every situation of your life. I don't know what I would do without God's grace. Gentleman came up to Josh and I before the first service this morning. He gave us a real nice, sincere compliment. He said, I'm so proud of you guys. Just can't, I don't know how you're doing it, you know, moving forward, referring to the loss of our dad. And I just said, it's, it's God's grace. <laughs> Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the initiator, the champion of our faith, friends. 
grace. He brings salvation. He gives us grace as a starting point. But he gives you grace for the rest of your life. If you would just trust him, if you would just receive it, if you would just lean on him. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Just quietly stand to your feet. Put your stuff down. And if you want to, maybe close your eyes just to focus and concentrate the presence of God right now. I want to invite and encourage you in just a moment to speak thanks out to the Lord, out loud. You don't need to be loud, but, but I just want you to do it out loud at a conversational kind of voice to thank God for his grace. Come on, let's do that right now. Just begin to thank Lord. I'm not going to talk in the microphone. You talk. There should be a murmur of thanks, murmur of praise and worship. Thank him. Thank him for his grace, friends. Come on for his undeserved blessing, unmerited favor, unlimited power, his love and his forgiveness. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. If you need to receive grace today, just lift your hands. My hands are lifted. Father, we just come. Lord, we come. Thank you that you call us friend. Thank you that you chose us because you love us. Thank you that you adopted us, God, into your family, that we're your sons and daughters. Thank you for your kindness. Lord, thank you. Thank you when you first saved us, God. We remember how you saved us. You pulled us out of darkness. You transferred us into kingdom of light. You changed everything. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood that you shed on the cross, that for the joy of bringing us into relationship with you, restoring us and reconciling us and redeeming us. Lord, you paid it all. Thank you for abundant and eternal life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to be a thankful people. We don't want to complain, covet, compare. God, we want to be thankful, thankful children. Lord, we'll do our part. God, we'll walk in, in faith, we'll walk in obedience, we'll walk in wisdom. But God, we need you. Lord, we ask for just undeserved blessings that be poured out in our lives. Unmerited favor, God, please pour out fresh grace in our hearts. God, give us unlimited power, Lord. Those that are discouraged and, and down and feel like they've stumbled and fallen, they have no strength to get up, lift them up. God, I thank you for the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace. Wow, Holy Spirit, move right now. Just touch people's hearts, touch their lives, touch their minds, touch their bodies, touch their soul. Set love and mercy. Just come over us, God. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you so much. We give you thanks, we give you honor, we give you praise, we give you glory, we worship you, we give our lives to you. God, every part of who we are, every part of who we are belongs to you. There's nothing else we could do but just respond. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Put your hands down. Just relax for one more minute. I'll, I'll do this quickly, but it is really, really important. I want to ask you a question, friends. Have you received God's grace for salvation? Let, let me ask it a different way. Are you in relationship with God? 
<laughs> I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm asking, do you know him personally? A lot of people know about God. That's, that's way, way, way different than knowing him personally, being his friend, hearing his voice, walking with him on a daily basis. Friends, God loves you. I've, I've shared the truth with you from his word. He loves you. He chose you. Bible says, Jeremiah 29, 11, he has a plan and a purpose for your life, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. He loved you so much, he gave heaven's best. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come, live, die for your sins. He rose from the dead, defeated death, defeated sin, defeated all the powers of hell to give you abundant and eternal life, to bring you into relationship with God. He's done it all, friends, but you have to receive it. It's a gift. It's grace. You have to receive it. You have to open up your life. You have to surrender your life to him. Maybe you've never made that decision before. I, there's people in here for sure, I know. I sense it. You've never made that decision. Maybe, maybe you prayed a prayer, but you walked away from the Lord. You find yourself here today watching online. Friends, it's no accident. It's God's grace that you're hearing this message, that he's speaking to your heart right now. He's calling you back. The enemy's trying to whisper in your ear, God doesn't love you. You're terrible. He'll never forgive you. That's the devil, friends. Grace is saying, come, come, son, come, daughter, come back. Let me wash you in love. Let me wash you in mercy. Wipe away all your sin. Phenomenal. The blood of Jesus cleanses us, purifies us from all sin, all brokenness, all unrighteousness, then heals us. Come back to him today, friends. Come back to him today. If you're in one of those two categories, you're not in relationship with God, but you want to make that decision. Today's the day of salvation. I heard growing up, today's the day. You're the person. You make the choice. God will make the change. Close your eyes one more time, if you would, just to give a gift of privacy. But if you're here today, maybe you're watching online. You've never made that decision before, but you're ready. I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you forward to the front. I'm not going to make you say anything. I want to see you, though, and I want to agree with you and lead you in a prayer of salvation. More importantly, God sees you. So if you're here today, say, John, I want to be in relationship with God. Either I'm making that decision for the first time or making a, a radical recommitment. I want to give you that opportunity right now. On the count of three, with everybody else's eyes closed, I want you to open up your eyes, lift your hand high until I see you. One, two, three. Lift your hand, lift it high, friends. Hold your hand up until I see you. They'll point you out to me. I know there's people in here. If you're battling in your heart right now, it's because God is speaking to you. Uh, you ought to surrender. Don't fight it. Just surrender to the Lord. Anybody in this place, give one more moment. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness in our life. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and be seated. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc, or call 714-255-0930.